From Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. Yeah, here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show. Matt West here to talk about cars, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, this week, I have finally thawed out a little bit from uh, last week's late May snowstorm that dropped 14 inches at my house. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> I could hardly believe it either. And uh, you know what? That is what it is. But the weather has been nice. It's been good to get out and uh, enjoy some of that now for a uh, little bit. Now, of course, have a uh, fun show in the works for you. Going to be talking a little bit about uh, some news, some uh, musings, of course, uh, all sorts of things. Obviously, automotive in nature. You know, if it's got four wheels, Usually it's uh, usually it's fair game here, and sometimes two wheels. Yeah, yeah. We even love our uh, motorcycle riding brethren. So a uh, little bit more on that later. And uh, now uh, we did have the uh, uh, Slush Motorsports Festival down here at the uh, Pikes Peak International Raceway. Uh, just earlier this weekend, it looked like it had a fantastic turnout. Lots of people. I mean, for weeks, uh, you know, everyone has been asking, oh, are you going to the event? You going to the event? And unfortunately, I had some other commitments and uh, I did not make it to the event. I know, I know. All my friends were bombarding me with uh, videos and clips of them on track. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Rub it in. Rub it in. I know, I know. Now, I do have some uh, really Exciting news, uh, exciting for me, but also for you, the listener, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in the show, and uh, I think it's pretty big. It'll be the biggest thing I've ever done with this podcast, so um, that's going to be fun. <laughs> that's going to be really fun. I'm looking forward to it. Now, ladies, gentlemen, Ford F100s, um, before we talk about that, I want to just dive straight into something really fun I saw. In uh, Japan, they have announced that uh, a development company in Japan has announced that they are building Asia's first private driving club and racetrack. Yeah, this is uh, apparently going to be a high-end racing circuit uh, developed by some of the best track designers in the world. So, you know, that's cool. It's also going to be backed by a company called um, uh, Tilkey Engineering and... Uh, Apparently they hold some they hold some good weight in this realm and uh, looks like just just looking at the schematics of their uh, racetrack it looks like an exorbitantly large amount of fun I will say that much good straights on it good corners hairpins chicanes all of the fun stuff that you want in a racetrack Japan is a is it such an interesting country to me when it comes to uh, motorsports because I mean obviously they're the home of uh, you know, Initial D, that that whole story, the manga, the TV series, the whole culture that was born around that uh, came from that area and the roads and the car culture that exists there. Obviously, I mean, a huge part of our American car culture and our tuner culture uh, comes from Japan now, which is fascinating, even though the Japanese in many cases were trying to emulate the Americans in their automotive culture over the years, they have tried to emulate us and now it's kind of come full circle. And of course with, uh, tuner cars being, uh, ever, ever popular here in the U S um, that's, uh, always interesting to see. Now this racetrack, by the way, is called the Marigala club racetrack. And what's interesting about it is 
It is uh, not just a racetrack. No, there is a huge housing development being built on it. You could have your house next to the racetrack, overlooking the racetrack. I'm sure that's not cheap. And uh, But it is very cool. They uh, just have 50 houses right now built there. Apparently they're building more. And all of the houses are sold out. So in case you were thinking about it, yeah, sorry, sold out. Yeah, that's a bummer. Um, I want I want a house next to a racetrack. And by golly, I'm just going to have to go buy a piece of property, build a racetrack, and then I guess stick a house next to it. I mean, the house is okay. It's fine. You know, houses are cool. You get people who are really into real estate and houses, you know. You know the sort of people who watch, like, the home improvement channels and can tell you, oh, how to do this with houses, and these properties are better for this reason, and you want these. I'm like, I... I don't care. Can I put cars in it? It's That's all I care about. That's one of my biggest gripes, by the way. If you've ever tried to buy a house, uh, in, in the past when I have been in the market for a house, uh, I did try to buy in Colorado Springs about a year ago and just found that uh, it, was, it was very difficult. It was very, very difficult. But uh, even if you're renting, right? So uh, the, the realtors that post this stuff never... They never post a picture of the garage. I've, I've not once found a for sale listing on a house uh, or a rental listing where the garage was photographed. And it's like, that's all I care about. I don't know. You're probably like me and would agree that like that's a big factor of how you choose a house. Isn't, oh, does it have this many bedrooms and this and that? Well, okay. Yeah, the bedrooms are nice. Yeah, I can, I don't know, put beds in them or something. But uh, can I put... My car's in there. That's that's what's important, really. And can I work on the cars there? And is there an HOA that's going to try to skin me every time I start my car up? But um, anyway, uh, I digress. I digress. This track in Japan, uh, speaking of, you know, expensive things like houses, um, the thing about this track is it is also a sophisticated person's motoring club. And apparently the fee for this is it comes. It's no small fee. Uh, yearly. You pay yearly to use the track. You don't just go out and do an open lapping day. Obviously, because that would be for the poors. They won't do that. <laughs> no, it's $235,000 a year. So that's uh, about two, uh, about 29.9 million Japanese yen. So two hundred thirty-five grand a year in order to be able to enjoy this beautiful racetrack. I think that's... I mean, yeah, the racetrack's nice. I bet the facilities are nice, but that's like that's a lot of money. I'm just uh, I'm just saying that's a that's a significant quantity of money. But you know what? If you are the astute, rich, uh, affluent car enthusiast, there is only one thing for you, and it is uh, it is this place. And then of course it's in Japan, and you got fun cars that you know obviously come from there: GTRs, NSXs, Supras. Well, I mean, sort of Supras now. You know, Germany. Supra. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> so what can you do? Uh, I am excited that that Supra is getting a uh, manual transmission, though. That that does bring joy to my heart. That does bring joy. And uh, now, one day, I would like to absolutely visit this racetrack. Hopefully, they allow visitors to come in at a different fee instead of paying the yearly fee. But that yearly fee does probably exist to keep the, you know, the uh, the peasants out. Peasants like me, presumably. And in uh, our, you know, 40-year-old rusty Corollas. I'm sure the, the fine folks living in their very expensive houses who pay $230,000 a year to use the racetrack don't want to see a 40-year-old Corolla ripping around it, dropping rust on every corner. So, I know, I know. Such is life. 
Such is life. But for, for that, there's uh, plenty of other good racetracks around the world. So I will say uh, that much. Now, by the way, I was talking about um, the uh, Supra earlier. I was, I was making an offhand comment about the uh, manual transmission, which it does have now. Well, the latest car company to not have the manual transmission. Yeah, I feel like we hear about these every couple of weeks. Ooh, so-and-so says they're not offering the manual anymore. Yeah, we've heard it before, and we've heard enthusiasts claim and demand otherwise. Uh, but uh, Mercedes is the newest company now to say that they are no longer going to do the manual transmission after the year uh, 2023. They say they're calling it quits for that, which, I mean, I haven't necessarily known Mercedes manual transmissions to be all that, you know, all that great, but... Um, I mean, they've been fine, and Mercedes makes a stout car. They make a fun car, and uh, granted, you know, this may not have the same sort of pushback that the Supra not having a manual transmission had. That had massive pushback, and uh, the Mercedes may not run into that because the thing with Mercedes is you have to look at the sort of people who buy Mercedes products, and the sort of folks that buy Mercedes products really aren't that interested, in my opinion, in the driving experience. They are interested in a car that is an accessory. They're interested in a car that complements them. They want a car that makes them comfortable. Uh, they want a car that, you know, cruises smoothly and, you know, and, and it exudes a sense of sophistication and uh, expense, which are all things that Mercedes cars do. Uh, now, obviously, us in the real world know that Mercedes cars are not very reliable and that they're very expensive and they don't last as long as perhaps some people would like them to. But um, we do know that Mercedes and AMG, I mean, that they do make some very fine sports cars. Um, you know, they make some really great sports cars. The Mercedes V8s are just fantastic. I mean, the way they sound, they're very good. Um, but I don't think the average Mercedes buyer is going to feel much of a loss for the manual transmission because the manual transmission doesn't conform to the uh, image that this, you know, that the potential Mercedes buyer has for their car. Uh, they are not the sort of person who wants to row their own gears. So is this a tragedy for the automotive enthusiast world? I don't think so. Also considering that virtually all Mercedes that are sold in the U.S. have already been automatic. I don't believe there is actually any manual Mercedes in the American offering. Uh, it was all back to their uh, European offerings. So what can I say? I mean, are, are we really losing something? Uh, I don't think so. It's not as tragic uh, as if, uh, say, Toyota or Nissan or Honda, you know, the good cars. <laughs> I know, I'm throwing, I'm throwing some, some daggers with that. But uh, it's not as bad as if those companies suddenly said, oh, no, no more, no more manual. In fact, they've done the opposite. They're promoting it. And that's why we love them. Now, hey, coming up in the next segment, going to be talking about an F-150 Lightning owner who... Uh, bent the rules just a little bit and did some fun stuff. Every day, thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts. Parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. I'm Steve Turbocharged BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts. 
collecting dust. My name is Todd, and I bought a rotary. It's okay, bro. We'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes you, can make a difference. For as little as $5 per month, you can put an end to Project Car's suffering and support your favorite podcast. Patreon.com slash Throttle Warrior. Donate now and receive special perks. Sponsored by Autoholics Anonymous and the Speed Council. Yeah, those laughs are laughs of joy and excitement. Yeah, there we go. Matt West here, rocking it for the second segment of the Automotive ADHD show. Uh, By the way, those car sounds are not car sounds at all. In fact, that is a motorcycle. Uh, Brad Stapp. Uh, sent that in. That is his uh, brother Connor. That's uh, Connor's motorcycle. It's a 1980 Kawasaki KZ750 shooting fireballs. <laughs> you couldn't see the fireballs because you know it's audio. But that said, I am a. Uh, I'm always a fan of motorcycles. I mean, look, I know this is a car show, but of course we can appreciate our two-wheeled brethren. You know, I mean, it's tragic they were born with two less wheels than everyone else, but. But I think we could love them all the same. And, uh, of course, that bike sounded fantastic, especially for an old bike. That, to me, sounds like, uh, I mean, uh, those four-cylinder Japanese motorcycles from the uh, late 70s and 80s, they're a ton of fun. In fact, I may or may not have one sitting in my garage. I have never. I don't think I've ever talked about it. I have a 1980 Suzuki GS850, um, and uh, that came originally from my dad. He bought it when it was brand new. Uh, in uh, 1980, so same same vintage, same thing, and I uh, gotta love gotta love those old bikes. I do have a soft spot in my heart for them. Now that said, if you would like to send those car sounds in, and I guess we broke the rule, it doesn't have to be a car. <laughs> Fine, bike sounds. Let's go for it. If you want to send those in, you can do that. Facebook.com/slash/automotiveadhd. You can also email them to me, Matt at ThrottleWarrior.com. When you do so, you are entered for a chance to win the automotive ADHD uh, keychain, which uh, is embroidered. It's nice. It looks good. At least I think it looks good. And it is also in the hands of Brad because he uh, won this month's uh, car sound, uh, or rather last month's, I should say, uh, car sound of the month. So very cool stuff. I will be pulling the winner for this month, the month of May. I'm going to pull that actually on the first show uh, next month, which would be um, coming out for uh, Patreon subscribers on the 5th. So, hey, there you go. Get those car sounds in. Get yourself entered for a chance to win that. Oh, by the way, when you when you win, you don't just get the keychain. No, 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 no. You get a $25 uh, gift card to a uh, auto parts store, which is cool because, you know, you could buy stuff with that. You can't buy anything with this keychain. I don't know if you could sell it if you wanted to. I'm not saying you should, but you can't buy car parts with it. Uh, that, that is the one downside to it. But it does look cool. So there you go. Now, I want to talk about the Ford F-150 Lightning. And just a brief recap on it. That is that it is a Ford product and it is completely electric and it is an electric pickup truck and it's a big deal because electric pickup trucks are absolutely going to be the hottest segment in the car buying market um, for the foreseeable future they are absolutely 
going to be the hottest things on the road in terms of consumer interest and consumer demand. Uh, people love their pickup trucks. I mean, you know, the F-150 as a pickup truck outsells, um, you know, all sorts of cars, hands down. And it's a truck, okay? It is the it is essentially the Toyota Corolla of pickup trucks. I think F-150 owners would be insulted that I compared it to a, a Corolla. But when you look at it in the terms of its uh, production numbers, in the terms of its availability, in the terms of how long it's been produced... It's hard to argue against that being the case. I mean, there's so many of them. They're so widely loved. Uh, Ford just keeps pumping them out. And for the most part, people have a good time with them. You know, I've I've not always been a fan of Ford products. I have owned a Mustang before. I really enjoyed it. It was a great car. Um, but I will say, when it also comes to working on Fords and being a uh, DIY garage wrencher, I've had a lot better. They're not hard. I won't say it's hard to work on Fords, but things aren't always the most well thought out in terms of assembly and disassembly, but that is neither here nor there. Obviously, Ford knows what they're doing when they make cars. They've been doing it for pretty much longer than everyone else. Um, now, with that, uh, the F-150 Lightning is a big deal in the terms of the, the truck world because um, it's it's an EV, and you look at the success that Tesla has had, and you look at a lot of folks. In fact, I can even uh, think of some people personally who own Teslas and uh, who own EVs who would say, you know, well, gosh, I really like my Tesla, but I really want a pickup truck. I've always had pickup trucks. I, I like pickup trucks, but I have a Tesla right now because I want something that's fast and fun and electric. Um, and uh, if you do that and it's a pickup truck, that might be a win. I've discussed this in the past, too, with uh, Rivian and their pickup trucks and how some of their vehicles have uh, finally, um, uh, you know, been uh, put into the hands of real customers and not journalists. In fact, I saw one of the uh, new Rivian pickup trucks for the first time in person uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was driving up through uh, Denver, Colorado, and I saw one on the highway. And holy cow, it was fast. It was not slow. <laughs> I'm not saying I tried to race him, but I am saying I lost. So, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was pretty quick and it's a, it's a sharp looking truck in person. And, um, it is definitely a sharp looking truck as far as, as far as pickup trucks go, not just electric trucks. Now the F-150 Lightning, it's a little more conventional, obviously, uh, in design. It does look more like the current F-150. Yeah, the headlight design's a bit different. The taillights are a bit different, but the overall body lines, it's all there. And it shares a lot of that stuff with the regular, uh, F-150, just purely out of the sake of uh, probably keeping things cheap and keeping things economical to manufacture. Ford is, uh, if anything, a genius at keeping things economical in the manufacturing sense. That's that's what has made Ford so arguably successful, uh, has been their, uh, their sense of manufacturing. And uh, that's what's really important. Now, there uh, was a guy who is the first person to receive his F-150 Lightning, uh, and he had it delivered very recently and has actually been keeping people up to date on Facebook and, you know, other things in social media about his experiences with the truck as it's a brand new truck. It's a brand new platform. And uh, apparently um, he's the very first guy to, to, to get one, which is purely by chance. I uh, What I think is fascinating, too, is that in an interview with the uh, drive that he did, um, and, uh, with an interview with them, I mean, he said that he didn't do anything special. He's like, I didn't do anything to be the first one. It just happened to be that case by chance. And 
probably helps that he lives in uh, uh, Dearborn, Michigan, which is also where they uh, they make the trucks. So that's probably why he got it first. <laughs> Just thinking about shipping time and stuff. But um, that said, it's a very interesting vehicle. It's very cool now to see such a hyped vehicle um, be in the hands of actual customers. What's also fascinating is allegedly this gentleman who acquired his truck he paid MSRP for it. Whoa, what a concept, right? Yeah, and um, <laughs> so what? What? A, what a concept! Paying MSRP for a vehicle. I can't imagine that, right? No. Uh, but well, I, I've talked about this. I even talked about this on last week's show on how Ford is actively trying to curb dealer markups because how they are terrible for the brand as a whole. Even though the dealers are private businesses themselves, technically they can do whatever they want. Um, well, that turns out to not be the case because Ford is Ford's putting their foot down on uh, what dealers can do when it comes to markups. So anyway, very interesting seeing that this guy got his uh, F-150 first. Now, it's also interesting is while I was uh, I was looking that up, I found another gentleman on social media. It's funny because he is a uh, he has an order for an F-150 Lightning. This is a different guy I'm talking about now. And he's been posting about it on social media. But Ford has an app that you can use to connect to your car. And this isn't just exclusive to the Lightning, but it does work on the Lightning. It's the, you know, Ford Connect app or I can't I can't recall the uh, the verbiage on it right now. But it's, it's like that. You connect to it from your phone. You're able to monitor the vehicle, start it remotely, all that stuff. Oh, it's an electric car. Can you start it remotely? I, yeah, <laughs> I digress. I digress. But um, you're able to do a bunch of different things with it. Lock the doors, turn the heat on, the AC and stuff and also track the vehicle and see where it is on a map well this guy got the idea he said i have my lightning order in it should be delivered soon but i don't have it yet but i'm going to go ahead and try to register it in the app before i even have it and apparently he did it and it worked he was able to get the truck registered in his ford connect app and um then be able to monitor different aspects of it, see the battery percentage, see where it was. He could watch it actively moving through the Ford distribution centers to a different storage center after it was built. He could see it going to these different parts of the Ford uh, plant as they, uh, the, it's obviously built at that point, but it's going to these different areas to get, you know, inspected and distributed and loaded it onto a trailer and and all of this stuff, and he can presumably also from there remotely control the climate control, lock the doors, do all sorts of stuff, and screw with the technicians, and I don't know if he went that far, but technically he would have had the ability to do it, and it turns out, so he starts posting about this, and people uh, have been keeping up with it, and it's just, it's funny, it's a good laugh, right? Well, I think Ford caught wind of it, because uh, he recently updated that um, suddenly he no longer has access, and he has an email saying his access to the vehicle through the app has been terminated it was an automated email right but the qu the question is did ford did someone at the plant get tired of this guy messing with them or was it just a automatic thing that happened i don't know but i think it's definitely fun you know what if you can't have fun with uh with your vehicle even before you even before you've taken delivery of it i mean i don't know i don't know what what good is it if you can't have fun with it uh i will say again my opinion on these f-150 lightnings is they are going to be uh it, they're gonna be a lot of fun they're gonna be very popular absolutely popular uh it's again the ev pickup truck market 
uh, is going to be the next big thing in terms of um, auto sales. I mean, obviously, there's a reason why Ford has been investing in it and trying to get this done so quickly. There's a reason Tesla is doing the Cybertruck eventually. I don't know. I think by this time next year, they will have announced another delay on it. Just my... Uh, just my prediction right there. Uh, obviously, Rivian, though. Uh, Ram has announced it, too. Rivian, Ram, uh, Ford, uh, Chevy. That's also another big one. They've got the the new Hummer. You've got the EV Silverado. I mean, it's a hot, hot segment in the car market. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a big sports car fan, right? Obviously, I like gas-powered cars. I like cars that have interesting sounds. I like manual gearboxes. These are all things I value deeply, but... Um, I will say when it comes to the raw torque of an electric vehicle, and I've experienced them uh, several times before, uh, you can't argue with that torque. It's it's there and it's like really fast. And that makes a whole lot of sense for a uh, pickup truck where you're not as you're not as worried about driver engagement and involvement uh, and driver feel like you are with the sports car. Uh, but you want torque because you want to be able to tow stuff. Uh, you want comfort because you want to be able to cruise around in it, do big road trips with your trailer and all these other things. That's all stuff that EV vehicles do really well. And um, now, how much range will this have? They're saying uh, it's an estimated 300 miles, depending on how you option it. I don't know if people are actually going to be getting that. It is yet to be seen. So it is cool. We get to observe this new segment in the automotive market. Does it mean it's going to kill off our fun gas Powered manual transmission sports cars? I don't think so. Uh, it's just a whole new segment of vehicle that is going to coexist for the time being uh, along with everything else. So it's uh, interesting that we get to kind of see the genesis of this, much like how in the 1980s and 90s we may have seen the genesis of the SUV or what we would call an SUV then compared to what we call SUVs now. So historical footnote, there you go. You can say you were here when it happened. So anyway, coming up in the next segment of the show, I got some more fun stuff. Don't go anywhere. Going to be talking a little bit about rally racing and uh, a big problem that they've been having, uh, as well as some uh, big news for the show. I know it's going to be really cool. That's next. At the Speed Council, getting things done fast is our priority. We do everything fast, from driving, working, sleeping, and eating. Someone help! He's choking! This is Tim. Hello. And by the time this ad is over, he'll have bicycled across the earth 69 times. Nice. Even if our name sounds unfamiliar, you know our work. F1? Pfft. Child's play. The world's first supersonic jet? Yep. That was us. F1. Apollo 11? Also us. The fastest animal in the sea? Hell. We even wrote the Wikipedia article, fast. And we're so dedicated to speed that we've genetically engineered the world's first hyperspeed speed machine. With this scientific breakthrough, you can download your favorite automotive podcast a whole day early. How's that for fast? Patreon.com slash Throttle Warrior. Donate now. Download the show early and receive special perks. This message approved by the Speed Council and the Church of Fast Things. That is Eric's 2004 Honda Accord from the Automotive ADHD Car Sound Archive. Yeah, I'm going through the archives and I'm finding so much neat stuff. It is incredible 
how many car sounds have been uh, sent into the show at this point. But you know what? You know what? Not to be greedy, but it is not enough. Now I have to continue on my quest to get all of the car sounds that, that exist. All of them, ever. Oh, yeah, the whole world. We're going for it. Got to catch them all, <laughs> you could say. So there you go. If you got your car sounds you want to send in, go ahead and do it. I mean, hey, I even... Come on, we, we're opening up the doors even with motorcycle sounds in the uh, uh, earlier segment in the show. So uh, Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD, Matt at ThrottleWarrior.com. There's a $25 parts store gift certificate and a keychain on the line. It could be yours. So now what I want to get into here is Rally Cross. I love Rally. It's such a um, such a fascinating sport. To watch, namely because the cars are hucking around these these uh, backwoods roads, doing jumps and driving through sections of you know wooded trail faster than most people would ever attempt to drive on asphalt. And I mean, we're talking triple digit speeds, flying next to trees, um, doing jumps, you know, 15, 20 feet in the air, landing and somehow surviving this whole ordeal. Uh, absolutely, absolutely spectacular race. Uh, racing to watch it really is and the it just goes to show the engineering of the cars is also incredible i mean rallycross look if you're not even you could be a big car fan but not a big necessarily motorsports spectator i get that you know and a lot of times i feel like racing is much more interesting to be a part of than it is to watch um i do enjoy watching racing as well but in some ways i do see that argument right well it's more fun to do it than just watching someone else have fun right i mean come on but but rally that's one of those ones where it's almost more fun to watch it uh, especially from the outside i mean watching these huge huge uh, you know, drifts that these drivers are doing through the dirt, kicking up, you know, rooster tails of dirt behind the car that's shooting 20 feet into the air as they're going 100 miles an hour past all these spectators. Uh, it's just spectacular to watch. Obviously, would I want to drive in it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, I'm not saying driving is less fun than watching it. No, I'm sure if you're the driver, you're having the best day around. I mean, I'm sure you're having a lot of fun. Um, but with Rally comes some unique engineering, like I said. Obviously, the cars have to be able to handle uh, the sort of stresses that are being put on them. Obviously, they have to survive the race because, well, if you don't survive the race, if your car doesn't survive, well, you're you're not going to win the race because, you know, you broke the car. You know, the classic, the classic meme, if you've seen it, oh, no, you're breaking the car, Samir. You know the video I'm talking about. Come on. <laughs> if you don't, it's a classic video. Look that one up. But um, the thing, one challenge that Rally is facing right now, uh, especially in one of their, uh, the, the top classes in Rally, is heat. Yeah, heat in the cockpit of the car. Um, in fact, um, there have been numerous complaints with a number, a number of rally cars um, basically uh, baking out the drivers with, and get this, interior temperatures uh, upwards of 158 degrees Fahrenheit. Drivers saying the heat is unbearable. Yeah, that's 158. For my friends in Europe, uh, that's uh, 70 degrees Celsius, by the way, or around that ballpark. That's pretty darn hard. That's hot. That's very hot. I mean, you know, you could say rally has a hot problem. Yeah, it's uh, it's not that the cars are too fast. They're too hot. 
And uh, part of the problem with this is, is a rally car. It's a race car. It doesn't have air conditioning. Uh, they hardly even have any ventilation inside of them. More often than not, they just have scoops on the side of the car that bring fresh air to the drivers. But they don't necessarily have a blower inside to recirculate any of the air. And of course, while you're racing, you can't roll the windows down. And on a lot of these cars, the windows don't even roll down. They might have a little section that pops open, but... Even then, you're not allowed to open that in a lot of racing. You get in trouble with the race officials if you pop that window open. So even though it's 158 degrees in the car, and some drivers have uh, reported that it is so hot in the cars that they um, uh, where the exhaust runs underneath, in this case on a couple of the cars, uh, underneath the uh, co-driver's seat. Um, you know, the, the in rally, obviously, you have a driver and, and a, and a co-driver. And uh, the exhaust is running under the co-driver's seat, and it's so hot that the co-driver's fireproof shoes, the soles of the shoes, are melting to the floor of the car. So now, not only do you have the heat to contend with, but you have the smell of burning rubber in a vehicle where you can't open the windows just smoking you out as you're trying to compete in this race. And um, gosh, that's got to be... It's got to be terrible. Now, this happened specifically um, to uh, Paul Nagel, who is the co-driver for uh, Craig Bren, by the way. He uh, cited this specifically, that he said his shoes melted to the floor of his car. Uh, and it was very unpleasant. And I imagine very hot as well. I mean, look, if you're sitting in a box, a steel box, at 158 degrees, and you're being expected to perform to the best of your ability as a racing driver, uh, and being a driver in this type of racing is not a non-physical activity. You're going to sweat anyway. If it's even 70 degrees inside that car, you're going to be building up a sweat because you are working, you are manhandling that steering wheel, you are really going at it, you're going at the shifter and all this stuff, or say paddle shifters, doesn't matter. You're, you're clutching, you're doing all this stuff, uh, braking. I mean, it's a physical thing for the driver, especially. So you have that, and then you also add this intense heat to it. Well, it's become such a problem uh, that drivers have uh, reached out to the FIA, which uh, sanctions a lot of uh, the races and, the uh, more importantly, a lot of the safety equipment used uh, in all sorts of motorsports, but they have reached out to them to fix the problem. And uh, FIA says that they are going to um, uh, allow in the rules of the racing, they're going to allow bigger air vents on the cars and try to get more airflow to the drivers because they acknowledge that uh, 158 degrees of cabin temperature is um, that's a little hot. Yeah. When you want to talk about heat stroke and things like that, I mean, having heat stroke doing any sort of physical activity uh, is very dangerous. It can be life threatening um, and you don't want to be put in a situation where that can happen to you when you're piloting a car at triple digit speeds on a dirt road between trees with no runoff. And then you don't want to suddenly pass out of heat stroke while you're doing that. I mean, that is a massive, massive safety concern. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously so someone could literally die doing that. So, uh, and also, I mean, dying or not, if you're the driver in this case, that just sucks. I mean, really, how long do you want to be driving that car? I mean, maybe that encourages you to get to finish the race sooner. Oh my God. If I just finish this race before everyone else, I can get out of this steaming box of heat. So I don't know. I don't know. That's, uh, 
It's uh, not what you expect uh, when you're just a spectator of the race. I'll say that much. So one last piece of really exciting news before we wrap up the show is, uh, and I, I promised I'd tell you about this earlier, but it's that this show is going to be live from the Pikes Peak Hill Climb Fan Fest. I know I, this week I just got the uh, letter of approval from the committee that organizes everything for the, uh, for the race and the Fan Fest. Now, the Fan Fest happens in the city of Colorado Springs, uh, where I'm doing this show from, but it happens at the base of Pikes Peak, and uh, it's a huge festival with all sorts of motorsports and cars and stunt driving uh, in sectioned areas on the streets, and uh, it's a chance where you get to see some of the race cars, you get to see some of the fastest cars in the world as they prepare to tackle the mountain. And uh, so, and uh, this show, I'm going to have a tent, a table. Hopefully, the automotive ADHD project car will be ready to go. That is the A86 with a turbo five cylinder Volvo engine, you know, just because. I like to be abrasive and weird, and uh, so the plan is to have that out and to do the show, a marathon live stream of the show, live from the event. Now, I don't want to overpromise here, but the uh, the tentative plan is to get some really interesting folks uh, from the realm of motorsports on as some guests and uh, have them uh, talk to me live on the show, and uh, though we'll... We'll have yet to see how it plays out. I don't yet have a position where my tent is going to be at. I may be, uh, it may be a little too difficult depending on the network connectivity to do it live. But at the very least, I'll be able to record it and give that to you as uh, some exclusive coverage that I can, at least I don't know of anyone else providing the same sort of uh, flavor of automotive podcast from uh, the shadow of Pikes Peak. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you are in the Colorado area at that time and you want to happen to check out some cool stuff, say hi as well. I would love to see you and meet you in person and you get to see this face for radio, for better or for worse, I guess, <laughs> in real life. So that's going to be really cool. I'll keep you updated as things are going on. And the uh, date for that, by the way, is going to be Friday, June 24th. So a little less than a month out. And you can bet right now between shows, I am scrolling scrambling to get everything ready for this. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned on the uh, Facebook page for more info on that. Now, I do want to thank you for joining me on this edition of the show. And uh, remember to subscribe to this podcast, wherever fine podcasts. And, and you know how this works. Uh, this one are uh, downloaded. And remember to give it a rating, by the way. We are at five stars on Spotify. Let's see if we can bump that up to six. Yeah, we'll have them add a whole new rating just for this show. So there you go. Now, I will see you same time, same place next week when we drive in reverse to turn back time.